Super Talk Mississippi media production. Only three games left to go in our opponent preview series. We are at week three. The LSU Tigers coming to Starkville for an 11 a.m. kick at Davis Wade Stadium. We are joined now by, I told you I was going to do this, award-winning journalist Wilson Alexander here on the podcast. He's been with us many times. And Wilson, I, I, I knew the, the hunted you know, versus the hunter uh, theme was something for LSU, but until I saw the poll come out on Monday, I had forgotten that LSU not only was unranked last year, and started the, but they started season 0-1 and then came out of nowhere to win the West. I guess my question, it might be a little bit of a weird one, but is it possible to be too ahead of schedule? Are the expectations okay for LSU being a top five team this season? That's definitely a reasonable question. LSU got up to number five in the college football playoff rankings going into the final week of the regular season last year against Texas A&M, and it just didn't quite feel like it was real at that point. Even though LSU <clears throat> excuse me, was sitting there in the polls, that was a team that did not look like a top five team. Um, obviously, it ended up losing to Texas A&M and dropping and losing to Georgia and, and dropping, you know, and ended up finishing the year much more closer where it should be as a top sort of 15-ish team, um, but not necessarily one who was really on the cusp of a college football playoff. It, 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 it does feed into that, that LSU is a little bit ahead of schedule in terms of where it is as a program and Brian Kelly rebuilding. And he's kind of had to tamp down on expectations a little bit this offseason, not to the degree where he's you know, saying, oh, we're not ready whatsoever, but he has acknowledged that they're not at the same level in terms of their roster as Georgia and Alabama. They haven't had these you know, two, three, four recruiting classes to kind of catch up and restock fully. So there's some depth concerns at different uh, spots. And that's kind of the overarching question for this team. Is that depth really going to be an issue if you have a few injuries, or is this a team that is a true title contender? We'll have to find out. Jaden Daniels, a season ago, you know, early on, really was making a lot of plays with his legs, but he struggled passing the football until you got about midway through the season. Then by the end of the year, he was one of the better passers in the SEC. Is he going to have that consistency and play like the player he was at the end of the year, or do you have some concerns about him as at the beginning of the season? The hope, of course, is that he'll be the way he was at the end of the year, particularly in the three-game stretch against Ole Miss, Florida, and Alabama. Now, he's got to go out and, be, and do that. I would be surprised if he wasn't at least uh, much cleaner and him and the whole offense was operating at a much higher level um, than it did at the start of last season because they've talked so much since the end of – since really around the Citrus Bowl when he decided to come back about the the what it does for them to have a second year together. Um, you've seen an offense right now so far in camp that that shows that continuity. And certainly in terms of the personnel, they're all working together and there isn't really a lot of guys having to move in and out, like on the offensive line or, or a quarterback. You've got some questions about who's actually going to be the running back um, in that rotation. But, you know, Jaden is able to work with these guys throughout the offseason on timing and chemistry and start to try and take the next step as an offense instead of just learning who everybody is and how they like things everybody likes things done and you know strengths and weaknesses for him and the coaching staff they've already gotten that part out of the way and so we'll have to let it kind of show up in games or even at least see more preseason practice to know for sure if he has taken those leaps the word out of lsu is that they think that he has in a lot of ways um how much of that we'll know for sure once games get underway um, but there's a lot of reason to believe that a lot of the factors are sort of, you know, pointing toward, 
you know, them, the, um, him having taken that next step. LSU brought tailback Josh Williams to SEC Media Days, and it got me to thinking, it's like, I, I don't know a whole lot about this guy. And you think about LSU and running backs and wide receivers, they've always had stars at the skill positions. Malik Neighbors is a star. There's, there's no getting around that one. But you know, at, at the running back position, at the wide receiver position, who are some skill position guys that, that you expect to have big seasons this year? When you look at wide receiver past Malik, it's Brian Thomas, Kyron Lacey, and I would put Aaron Anderson in that group as well. He's an Alabama transfer who was really highly rated coming out of Louisiana, uh, not in the 2021 class, came back after a year, and he looks incredibly shifty. It's going to be fascinating to see if LSU can find creative ways to get him the ball in space because once he has it, it's hard to bring him down. And he's probably in that sort of group of four. Also, Chris Hilton is another name. He's an older guy who's been injured earlier in his career, but he's getting some run with the first team right now. And so those are probably the wide receivers. At running back, it is completely up in the air in terms of who is actually going to be. Um, they're not going to have like a Leonard Fournette, clear-cut RB1 getting you know over 1,000 yards. Um, that's not the way the running back room is constructed. But they're going to have a pretty deep rotation of guys. Brian Kelly has said that this is the most complete and deep running back room that he's ever coached. They've got eight guys on scholarship. And it's probably going to end up shaking out into three or four of them who are really rotating and forming a committee there in the game. The four who I would expect that end up being are Josh Williams, Logan Diggs, and Notre Dame transfer, who seems really well, well-rounded, Noah Kane, and John Emery. And we'll kind of, even though the thing about that position is whoever takes the first rep against Florida State might not be the one who actually ends up with the most yards by the end of the year because they're going to be moving those guys around a lot. LSU had one of the biggest impactful injuries of the season last year in its first game when they lost Mason Smith, who's just an outstanding defensive player uh, for the Tigers. Now he's back this year. What kind of impact does he bring uh, to that Tiger defense? LSU had an 11-on-11 period the other day before the fight that everyone has now heard about. And on the very first, the first two reps, Mason Smith blew up the play, got in the backfield and made Jaden Daniels move off his spot. And that is a sign of what is probably to come with him this season. Even on the play that he got injured last year, he had gotten into the backfield and forced a tackle for loss for one of his teammates and just like set it up by them by completely blowing up the play. He doesn't look like the knee is hampering him at all at this point. LSU hasn't gotten to full pads yet, but he looks really good. Brian Kelly has said that he thinks Mason's, you know, really got all of his explosiveness back um, and kind of returned to that pre-injury form. And it does something for LSU defensively to have that kind of presence on the de- on the interior of the defensive line, because last season most of LSU's pressure came from the edges with Harold Perkins and B.J. Ojolari. Now, if, if Mason's able to do what it looks like he is doing, you know, once games start, teams aren't going to be able to just double team Harold Perkins on the edge whenever he is coming off the edge because he is more of an inside linebacker now, or any of LSU's other you know edge rushers. They're going to have to account for Mason Smith. And if you double-team him, then you give other guys one-on-one blocks. If you double-team somebody else, then you're giving Mason, you know, man, just a single guy to beat in front of him. And so it just creates a lot of headaches for opposing offenses to try to deal with him in the middle of the field. You mentioned Harold Perkins. That's one thing LSU tends to have every year is an impact freshman, a guy who comes out. And it's not out of nowhere because they're usually four- and five-star kids, but there's one guy that you can always sort of look at and say, well, you saw that coming. Who's that guy this year for LSU? If it's offense or defense, who's the freshman that you've got an eye on? There's a couple names that come to mind. It would be 
On the offensive side, Delance Hurd, he's a right tackle who looks like he is SEC ready at this point. Um, he's his size, 6'6", 340 pounds, but he's, it's not just overweight, like he carries it really well. He's flattened some older players during one-on-ones at times. And if LSU's got a really strong group, of, like a starting five, kind of already set, but if there's somebody who's going to crack that and shuffle things around or there's an injury and they need to bring somebody up, it's probably the Lance. On the defensive side, look for JV and Toviano. He is a defensive back who got a lot of playing time in the spring. They're really high on him. He's versatile. He can play a little bit of corner, mostly more of a safety or a nickel, though, probably long-term. And LSU's got some questions in the secondary, but Javian, even if he's sort of a rotational player, is probably going to get on the field pretty early. And then maybe a dark horse one is Camorian Pimpton. He's a freshman tight end. They've got a group of freshman tight ends um, who might all contribute in sort of various ways based on their strength. And Camorian's is as a pass catcher. He's got a really impressive uh, rate, catch radius because his arms, Mason Taylor, LSU's tight end, would say, and go down to his knees. Um, he's, and, he's, and he's really athletic, too, able to box guys out. And so he'll probably be in some packages as well. Decided to take a look at Zalance Hurd's 24-7 profile. He looks more like a grown man than you or I do. That is a big, big 18-year-old kid. That's crazy. Uh, this is it for a little while with Mississippi State and LSU. Since the last time we talked, the SEC announced that you know the schedules are out for next year and State and LSU not playing each other. I know this is a series that LSU has dominated, so their fans are going to miss it from that perspective. But when you talk to LSU fans, are they, you know, what's their feeling on, hey, we're not playing Mississippi State next year? It's something that especially the fans who are of a, I think, older generation than, than myself who have watched LSU football, you know, for 50, 60 years, they've known playing Mississippi State every single year. I mean, our columnist here, Scott Rabelais, who's covered the team for a few decades now, often reminds me that Mississippi State has played LSU, I think, more than any other team, if I'm remembering what he said correctly, and that, like, they've played every year since the 40s. It's And it's it reinforces to me this sort of the, the sad part about what's happening with conference consolidation at this point, uh, realignment, whatever term you want to use, that you're losing some of these regional rivalries um, that have defined the sport for so long. And we're getting a few back with BYU, Utah, and Texas, Texas A&M. But, you know, LSU, Mississippi State, even though it's maybe not what you think of um, from a broad, you know, sort of national perspective as like this great storied rivalry like the Iron Bowl or Georgia, Florida, or something like that. It's a game that a lot of people around in this area, in, the, in Mississippi and Louisiana, have become very used to. And yeah, now we're not going to have it anymore. And that's we are losing something when that goes away. I think I think State and LSU have played every year. So I think 52 was the last one. And then prior to that, they had mm-hmm. maybe never not played in, in the history of their two universities. So you're right. It, it is something. And it's a rivalry, especially for me, with my family being half LSU fans. That I, I definitely will uh, I will miss, but we've got one more uh, just a few weeks away in Starville. So we'll see you in uh, in mid September. Wilson Alexander from the Advocate down there in Baton Rouge. Thanks for joining me, man. Always appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Brian. See you there. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.